Okay. Well, it's 1141. And church ends when I say it ends. No, I'm just kidding. I tell you, that authority goes right to the head, doesn't it? It's crazy. No. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to teach and be able to preach again. Um, last time I taught, it was in, I was in Galatians. I'm going to continue on in Galatians. And Lord willing, since I've only got about, you know, 15, 20 minutes now, I'm sure Brother Justin will let me teach next week and I can kind of continue on because I'm not going to get through everything that I would like to be able to, to get through uh, now. But if you got your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I feel like in my lifetime, I've never quite felt like... Um, like I do now when it comes to the church environment, to Christianity, to a time in our country. Maybe some of you that have been around longer than I have could testify of some things, but if I could describe the environment today, you know, just across the board is just divided. You know what I mean? There is just so much division um, just everywhere you go. Also, too, if I could describe... You just feel like you're under assault all the time because of something you believe in. Um, and I think it's impossible to be a, a Christian without having some type of conviction about what you believe in that, that grounds you in, in who you are and what you are. Christianity is more than just something that I believe. It's, it's a part of who I am. And you can't really distinguish that. So... Um, you know, they're, you know, when, and, and that is under an assault, and that's, that's by design. That's not, that's not, you know, just circumstance. Um, you feel like you have to apologize for things like you believe there's only two genders, you know what I mean? Which, by the way, good news, uh, Apple is now about to introduce the pregnant man emoji. It's about time. Whew, man, we really need that right now. And, you know, that's comical to us, but just think, people sat in a room and thought that's what our society needs right now. And, you know, it is unfortunate that the time that we live in. But I think what we're going to see on the tail end of this is we're going to see some amazing things happen. We're going to see, I think, on the tail end of this, I think we're going to see God do some things that's going to just absolutely blow our minds. Now, the crazy thing is, I believe God's already done something that has blown my mind. Don't get me wrong. And I think part of, of understanding Christianity is the fact that, you know, for a long time, my Christianity was all about Jesus' coming. You know what I mean? It was all about Jesus is going to come and right all the wrongs, and he's going to clean up the mess, and he's going to show those you know what I mean? That don't love him. He's going to teach them a lesson, and 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 all the and, and I don't know if you've been in Christianity long enough. You may have been a part of that, but when I understood grace, it was like the Holy Spirit says, "Listen, you need to stop and reflect on His first coming. You know, you need to remember some things that He has that He's already done. It's like the it's like for example the music we were singing." 
we're celebrating faithful you are. Not me, not you, but him. That's the beauty of it. Because if, if it really boils down to my faithfulness and Fred's faithfulness, we're in trouble, right, Fred? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there are some times I get through the week and I'm like, man, shoo. Man, I, 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 you know, I give myself a B plus, you know, maybe an A, you know, not, not too bad. But there's some days you're like, man, I just blew it this whole week, you know. And the spirit in you is just like, man. You're designed for so much better than this, you see. So, but Galatians chapter 5, and all that to say this, Paul talks about making a stand. And, and what I feel like in our, what we're going to see in our country, and what you really find, you know what I mean, really pressed heavily, is the idea that it's time for us to make a stand. You know, and it's time for us to make a stand on some things. And we really need to stand for this, and we need to stop doing this, and we need to make a strong stance here. We need to make our mark. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I can relate to that because I feel bullied. I feel bombarded. I feel like, man, you know, you got me pinned in a corner, and I, and I feel like you have to fight your way out. And there's nothing wrong at all with feeling like you need to make a stand. Paul talks about this. Paul gets into Galatians, and he starts off in Galatians chapter 5. He says this. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, Paul reminds the church of Galatia to stand fast or to make a stand. Now, how often we hear this, and how often we've heard this over the years, even from the pulpit. In my experience, I've, been, I've made stands from everything against other versions of the Bible, to women wearing pants, to, you know what I mean, not wearing a, a suit and tie to church, to you contemporary Christian music. I mean, you name it. You know, communism, all the different things, all these areas that we need to make a stand uh, against. I've been on board with a lot of these. The problem is not talking or taking a stand, but learning where to make your stand. That's really ultimate, and I would even say that today. What's going to happen is the pendulum's going to swing, and we're going to find a bunch of people willing to make a stand, and they're going to start making these stands, but they're going to start standing on the wrong things, you see. They're going to start pointing fingers at, well, it's them. It's always them. Or they, you know what I mean? Them and they are the ones that are destroying everything, you see. And if they or them were like us, then we wouldn't be having these problems, you see. Is, are you familiar with this? Right. So, but anyway, Paul was telling the church to make a stand on something that is not popular. It wasn't popular, especially in the church of Galatia at that time. And I believe it's, it's not popular today now, you see. Now, what did Paul mean by take a, or stand fast in the liberty of freedom? And what was the yoke of bondage, as we'll later see, he was referring to? So number one is this. Therefore, stand fast. We've learned when, that when we see the word therefore, right, what do we usually do? 
Yeah, we find out why it's there for. And that really goes back to the last lesson that I taught. And that goes into Galatians chapter 4. So if you got your Bibles, or I say Bibles, you get your phone. Man, things have changed there. You know, you used to say get your Bibles and you hear everybody, all the pages rustling, you know what I mean? And when you hear the stop rustling, you know, you were like, okay, everybody's there. But uh, anyway, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm all for the advent of the phone. I mean, used to, when you couldn't find something, you know what I mean? You're like, I know what's in here. So is it, oh, and then you go back to the table of contents, and you're going back and forth. Been there, done that. Uh-huh. I think they do actually have that. I, I'm, I'm serious. See, right, right now, I'm trying to find Galatians now. I can't even find it now, so don't feel bad. Is it? That's what I thought. That's the rumor. There we go. I like keeping it lighthearted as best we can. Helps my nerves. Galatians chapter 4. Did I tell you which chapter? Yeah, Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 22 through 31. So Paul brings out a, uh, or let, let, me, let me say this, let me get into this real quick. The common idea in the, in the book of Galatians and what Paul was trying to do, or what they say the Judaizers, Judaizers were doing, is that you know Paul went to the church, he went to Galatia, he preached, people got saved, they got together, they formed a church, very similar, like they're meeting together and they're enjoying uh, the gospel, enjoying growing in grace. And not long, at some point when Paul left and they continued to meet, some people came in and, you know, they I'm sure they came in and they shook hands and they got to know everybody. And, and then after a while, some of them started saying, hey, look, I, I, I'm glad you got saved. Oh, it's all good. It's, it's good that you've accepted Jesus. But do you, not, do you not understand there's a little bit more to this thing than just accepting Jesus? You do realize you need to start adhering to the old covenant law. Now, probably since Galatia was filled with uh, those that were Jews and then also Gentiles alike, and Gentiles not having any idea probably what the custom was for the Jews, started saying, huh, well, you know, we never really thought about that. So then they started sharing scripture. They started going over things, and before you know it, you have them doubting whether or not they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. So they started implementing. They look now, if you're serious about this, you need to be circumcised. That's that's the key to it all. And sure enough, they they now the church has been rocked with this thing. Now there's division in there. So Paul is combating this. He's kind of coming into this whole thing now. A lot of a lot of the thought today about what the, the people, the Judaizers were doing was they were just adding works to salvation. But that's not what they were doing. They were adding works to just everyday living. They were trying to get them to go back to the old customs of the old covenant law and implement those today. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We're seeing that today. Literally seeing this today in some movements. So... That's what, that's what we're seeing here. So Paul, I love what Paul does. 
So what Paul does is he goes back to Galatia. He goes back to the Old Covenant to pull out a story to show them, listen, you know what I mean? Let's put on our New Covenant goggles. Let's look back at the Old Covenant and let's pull something out that shows us there's a difference between the Old Way, the Old Covenant, and the New. And that's what he does. Galatians 4.22. Also, too, let me say this. Because this is near and dear to our hearts is the idea. He starts off reminding them, look, you're no longer servants, but you're what? Sons. And the idea of sonship. And the idea that, listen, you are part of the family. The idea that the father has a table set and your place is always there. The idea that you don't have to beg to be in the family, or nor would you ever lose right to be in the family, because being in the family is all about birth and also adoption. If you say, well, I, you know, I don't have rights to this, God says, look, I'll adopt you. You're mine. And now you're part of the family. And now what drives us is not the heart of a servant, although there's nothing wrong with service, it's, the, it's having the heart of a son and a daughter wherein we cry, what? Father, Daddy, you see. And then he gets into uh, Galatians chapter uh, 4, verse 22. And let's see here. I'm in verse chapter 3. There we go. There we go. He says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free, free man. But he who was of the bond of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free through the promise. Which things are a symbolic or an allegory, for these are the two what? Covenants, right? The one from Mount Sinai. Now what was given on Mount Sinai? Law. Law was given on Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all, for it is written. Verse, 20, uh, verse 28 uh, says this, Now we, brethren, as Isaac, was are the children of promise, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free man, a free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bond, bondwoman, but the what? The free, you see. Making a distinction here. Now, number two is this. Liberty and freedom came by Christ. Liberty and freedom comes and always comes by Christ. Over the years, the subject of liberty and freedom is not clearly understood and taught. And in most cases, freedom is always used in the context of sin, isn't it? If you're struggling with sin, then you need to come to Jesus and he'll what? Set you free, right? Now, we, when we describe those sins or we think about those sins, generally they're addiction. Generally they're crippling problems, you know what I mean? 
Sin is always negative looking in the context, but in reality, sin can look very clean, can it? Because sin can look very religious. Sin can look very much up to par that it's got it under control. Now go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 6 through 18. Now, which is true that we are free, or is it true that we're free from sin? We're going to look at Romans chapter 6. I like to use a lot of scripture, ladies and gentlemen. And I think it's important because at the end of the day, I don't want you taking my word for it by no stretch of the imagination. Romans chapters. Plus, it's also, too, to connect the dots of what Paul was trying to say. He says it so much better than I could say it or even paraphrase it. Romans chapter 6. That's before Corinthians, right? Just kidding. Is it in the New Testament? All right, Romans chapter 6, and we'll look at verses uh, 6 through 18. Notice what he says here. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to what? Sin. Doesn't mean you can't sin, but no longer are you a slave to it. But finally, you have another option. Now let's go on. Notice what he says in verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also what? Live with him. Welcome to the new covenant, ladies and gentlemen. You're no longer dead in sin, but now you're alive with Christ now. And for the first time in your experience, you know what it means to have life, which in my opinion is the best kept secret in Christianity when it comes down to it. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer have dominion over him. For, he, for, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves, and that's a southern term, we know how to reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, be, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are, you are that the one slaves whom you obey, whether to sin lead to death or to obedience lead to righteousness? But God, be thanked that through, uh, through you you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Obeying from the heart, that's crucial right there. 
obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And lastly, verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Obeyed from the heart. What does that mean? That means when you got a new heart, the old nature was crucified with Christ and you got a new heart. So now you have a new heart that's no longer struggling to know what it wants. It knows exactly what it wants. It wants to serve, it wants righteousness, and it hungers and thirsts for that. And that's now you're a slave. So, you know, I've seen some that have been saved and then they, they decided, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done with this, and they launch out like the prodigal son. Launch out. And then after they've exhausted trying to find life and all these exterior resources and they could not find none, they realized that life was with them the entire time. And they found that, you know what, I'm a slave to this thing of righteousness. Being free from sin is popular, uh, being free from sin is popular and preached, but being free from law, it's not very popular. Look at ver- uh, number three. What was the bondage Paul was referring to? And I'm going to skip Galatians. We'll, we'll look here. You know, we'll go ahead. Let me, let me read it. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the what? The whole law, isn't he? Debtor to do the whole thing. Christ is become of none effect to you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For ye through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by what? Love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And for years I was always looked at that like it was sin. Sin was the leaven. A little bit of sin But the reality in this case, it was law. It was trying to go to one point of the law, trying to find life in the law. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, look, I was told that life was in the law. And every time I would go to it, it would kill me every time. I could never live up to it and you can never live from it. That was the bondage he was talking about. Next, why is Paul concerned with the Galatians trying to live from law? Paul spent a lot of time teaching believers in regards to having a proper view and understanding of law. But what is the big deal? If you think today, it seems like the goal of Christianity is no longer about miraculous living or life in general. It's just about moral living. What we need is a good, strong, moral message. And I'm all for morality. But at the end of the day, what what people are hungering for is something authentic. Something something real. Something tangible. They're looking for a true transformation. 
not just a conforming to some type of ideology. That's what Christianity is. It's becoming a new creation. We, we would consider that all the teaching Paul did on the subject means that it is important for us to understand it. Paul did so much teaching about this that it has to be important. It has to be a pillar and a cornerstone of something we have to understand. It's obvious, though, Paul, through Paul's teaching, that growing in grace means having a proper understanding of what law is all about. And next is this. Does being free from law mean behavior does not matter? Is that what it means? No, that's not what it means. But understand this. The fact that this question always comes up in a law conversation is proof we desperately need what Paul is teaching. The greater question is this. Why do we feel that behavior is only regulated and delegated by law? That's the greater question. That's the greater question. Romans chapter 7, and I'll read it. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein you were held, that we should serve, now notice this, in the newness of spirit, not the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. What is Paul saying in these verses? Number one, we are dead to the law. Number two, law did not help produce better behavior. Number three, we were delivered from the law. Next, the spirit is a new way to live. That is the new way. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit come in, and now he's teaching you life. He's teaching you a whole new way. Next, the law teaches me sin, but it does not teach me Jesus. Teaches me sin, that's as far as it's going to go, but it doesn't teach you Jesus. Just shows you, reminds your need for him. Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the laws the knowledge of sin. I'm probably going to have to stop there. But next week, we're going to look at, and Justin, I'll just tell you now, I'm going to preach next week. But next week, we're going to look at what does it mean to walk in the Spirit. i got a very small part, because I believe, in my mind, I believe... The Spirit's a better teacher for teaching you how to walk in the Spirit than I am, you see. You know, I also believe true authentic behavior is a product of internal desire, not external duty, you see. Later on in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, or, 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 uh, yeah, Galatians chapter 5, in verse 18, he says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. About my fourth or fifth year in, you know, serving the Lord, 
the, the, and I ran across this verse, and it was one of those nagging verses. You ever get one of those that just kind of sticks in your crawl, and you're like, man, that's, there's something amazing about that. I just don't understand what that is. I just know it's good. You know what I mean? But it was so foreign. I knew it was saying something, but my Christian experience was teaching me something different because I was always under the thought that, you know, law is going to produce in me better Christian behavior. You know what I mean? I came to Jesus by grace, but if I'm going to go into glory, it's going to be by Moses. You know what I mean? He's going he's to teach me how to clean myself up and how to stay on the right track, you see. And, and, and this verse was telling me something. I just didn't know what it was. And later, man, the Spirit of God gave me revelation on that. But, but anyway, let's pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful grace and your mercy. Father, I believe that we are all going to be tested, and we all are tested in these times. But, Father, during this testing, what we need to be reminded of is not our resolve, it's yours. What we need to be reminded of is not our ability, but yours. What we need to be reminded of is not our greatness, but yours. We are your children. And we don't always understand what you're doing. We don't always understand completely how you're going to do it. But Father, we do understand how powerful you are. And Father, I just pray, help us just to take a little bit of that life and help us to just crave living off what's already inside us instead of trying to find life around us. So many false sources of life are around us. Lord, may we learn just to live off the well that never runs dry. And Father, I pray this week Father, if there's anybody that we can share your message with, may you open those doors. Send to us hungry hearts and hungry souls. And Father, we just pray for these ladies going to the foreign field. Lord, we know you're going to give them protection. We know you're going to provide for them. May you make our hearts sensitive to their needs. And Father, we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen.